0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bow talk about the Athanasian Creed.
1: Welcome to Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me today... Pastor Jason Goodham. It's good to be back with you all today. Good to see you again, Brett. Yes, you as well, Jason. And uh, yeah, this is fun. We are are almost uh, through with the three ecumenical creeds, but even though today we'll be wrapping up our discussion of them, uh, we we don't want to ever leave them. But today we're going to be talking about the third of the three uh, of the the three ecumenical creeds, the Athanasian Creed.
0: Yeah, we have 20 minutes to talk about the Athanasian Creed. I'm not even sure you can
1: read the Athanasian Creed <laughs> in 20 minutes. Uh, Isn't it like 200 pages in our hymnal or something
0: <laughs> like that? Or? We we confess the Athanasian Creed here at Faith once every year on Trinity Sunday. I wish it were more, but mm-hmm. I I put a disclaimer uh, in our bulletin when we do it uh, just to make people feel guilty if they're going to complain about how long it takes to right. recite uh, it's not only the longest of the three creeds; it's also the most repetitive. Sure. And so you have a lot of uh, going over material, and and so you have. And yet there is not three gods, but one god. And yet mm-hmm. there is not three lords, but one lord. And yet right. there are not three. You know, there are no so contractions. On... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's no abbreviation. Uh, but the reason why is that the Athanasian Creed serves for us as the most thorough and concise statement on the Trinity that we have. Mm -hmm. The Nicene Creed was a good start, but again, uh, as time went on, uh, the heretics wrote the theology of the church for us, and a more clear, straightforward uh, definition of the Trinity was necessary, and this is the only way that you can define something that ultimately is a, uh, a mystery is mm-hmm. that you have to say the things as clearly as you
1: can, can, item by item. Right, and you know, thinking of this, you know, as a pastor, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of our churches out there would say they hold to the three ecumenical creeds, and I think most people have a general grasp of the Apostles' Creed, and, and maybe a smaller amount have a good grasp on the Nicene Creed, but. I'm guessing there might be a lot of listeners today that might not have a, a lot of, uh, of knowledge about or, or familiarity with the Athanasian Creed, and so this is going to be good. We're going to dive into that today, and uh, so let's talk a, a little bit as we get into this about uh, the guy behind it here, uh, Athanasius.
0: Now, Athanasius was in uh, a late contemporary of Arius and uh, the... Uh, Theologians who responded to him, Alexander of Alexandria, and so on and so forth. He was born around 296, so the very end of the third century. Lived most of his most of his life in the fourth century. Died circa 373. So mm-hmm. you know a good long age, especially considering yeah. uh, the time period of history that he lived in. He also was a bishop. Of Alexandria. He succeeded Alexander, Mm -hmm. who was the first guy to condemn Arius for his heresy. And so he Mm -hmm. uh, falls in that line of thinking. Uh, Athanasius, uh, as far as the church is concerned, uh, is known mostly for his vigorous defense of Orthodox Christianity against the followers of Arius, who are now Mm -hmm. called the Arians. Uh, He really codified Orthodoxy during his time uh, with monotheism. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, you know, One of the, the struggles with communicating the Trinity to the world around us is that we have three persons and one God and one God and three persons, but not three gods. Uh, the Muslims accuse Christians of polytheism, uh, that we worship three gods. And, and so there's a lot of confusion. Uh, Arius did a lot. Or Arius, Athanasius. <laughs> whew, It's easy to do, (laughs) easy to do. It's way easier to say Arius than Athanasius, that's for sure. Uh, Athanasius uh, did a lot of work in monotheism and also redemption. And and one Mm -hmm. of the the great debts we have as a church uh, is uh, Athanasius, one of the very first theologians in the church to connect the significance of the Trinity to redemption. And and this is why the Trinity is important for us today is the impact it has on our salvation.
1: Yeah, and so thinking about our salvation and uh, who is the one that gives us salvation and who wins it for us, it's good to uh, think about the Trinity in that way. And so um, let's let's look into the, the biblical evidence for the Trinity.
0: Yeah, it's a good time, uh, especially as we have so often emphasized the creeds and confessions flow from scripture. And we spent so much time talking about the confessions themselves and the creeds themselves. Right. Uh, the biblical foundations uh, for the Trinity are all over the place. You mm-hmm. know, you start with uh, God the Father. Now this is, it's when you're like, okay, sure. no one's questioning the deity of God the Father, right? When, when everyone thinks about big G God. Mm-hmm. They're always thinking about God, the father, but yet, uh, at the same time, God reveals himself to us as God. You have this concept mm-hmm. of general revelation that God has placed himself in the, uh, eternity in the hearts of man. God has made himself known. Ecclesiastes yep. runs through this, uh, Romans 1 talks about the creator God mm-hmm. and the, the error of man is that we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Right. Uh, the The whole purpose of the created universe is that we would look around us and give glory to God, that we mm-hmm. would see uh, that God exists yep. and that he is beautiful mm-hmm. and that he is ordered uh scientists today are still marveling at the ordered systems of life in the universe around us they're they're great they're they're fantastic they're magnificent and, and you know people would argue about evolution in the mm-hmm. various systems but the way we treat general revelation is the exact same way we treat Mount Rushmore mm-hmm in that you look at Mount Rushmore, and you go out to Western South Dakota. Now, I must confess, <laughs> I've never been there. What? but I, I know what it looks like. Okay? You've seen the pictures. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Uh, <laughs> but you, you're not sitting at the foot of Mount Rushmore at the observation deck thinking, it is so marvelous that billions of years of water and wind erosion worked together <laughs> to produce the likenesses of, of Washington and, and Lincoln and Jefferson and Roosevelt, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's not what we say. We we, we marvel at the artistry of the people who use dynamite no less right. to, to create the smooth surfaces of this rock that we know who they are. The same thing works in creation, mm-hmm. that we should look at a tree and see God. Not that God is in the tree or God is the tree, but God designed the tree and the and the, the multiple functions of the tree feeding itself with the root system, uh, receiving light as food through the leaves, so on and so forth. We should look at the human body uh in in the, the, the all of the systems working to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. Uh and and even in the universe, you know, if uh the our listeners are interested, check out work by Dr. Stephen Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. the signature in the cell and Darwin's doubt. Uh, and, and all the things uh, he talks about with intelligent design. And this is general revelation, God revealing himself in mm-hmm. nature. And we have special revelation that God right. reveals himself as God in Scripture and especially through the person of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, good. And so uh, what you've done there is you've summarized how uh, both through general revelation and through special revelation we see God the Father, God, especially God the Father, but mm-hmm. um, at him at the forefront as we talk about the Trinity, um, how about for Jesus Christ? How how? Uh, what's the biblical evidence there uh, that Jesus is a part of the Trinity?
0: Well, we mentioned last week that Jesus re- received worship. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, there's only two outcomes for that. Either Jesus mm-hmm. is standing uh, in the place of God as a different option sure. and is a blasphemer, or Jesus is God because God does not allow anything else to be worshipped, anyone else to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. The, the constant theme of idolatry in the Old Testament shows us the exclusivity of God. He will not tolerate, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yep. Uh, but Jesus receives worship from Thomas in John 20, right. uh, and he doesn't stop him. It's it's the whole Lord, liar, lunatic. Yep. Yeah, or legend, right? Or That's legend, you know, yep. yep. You got the four L's. Uh, Jesus is declared by the apostle Paul to be God in scripture. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, That that happens in Colossians, Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 11, uh, also declaring Jesus to be God. Uh, One of the things that is often overlooked, Jesus, uh, in his miracles, is Mm -hmm. demonstrating his deity, his control over creation, his control over the spirit world, um, especially his ability to forgive sins. In Luke 5, you have the story of the paralytic who's dropped down through the roof of the house. And I've always wondered, you know, like, Guy's like, how do I claim that on insurance? These people (laughs) dug a hole in my roof just for this guy to be healed. But as he's dangling there in front of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and you're expecting Jesus to heal this man. Everyone in that room is expecting Jesus to heal this man. Mm -hmm. And Jesus leans forward, looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, right. And the Jewish mindset of Jesus' day... Is that sin always came with an observable and material consequence? There was always a physical punishment for sin. You know, John 9, the disciples asked Jesus, Who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind, right? It's the same thought. So Jesus strategically leans in, tells this man he's forgiven, and then he looks around, he says, What is easier? That the son of man forgive your sins, or says, "Take up your mat and walk." But that you may mm-hmm. n- know the son of man has authority to forgive sins, he says, "Take up your mat and walk," and he does. He demonstrates that the sin has been forgiven because he removes the
1: consequence of the sin. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that! Uh, yeah, Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our our Savior. Uh, so thankful for that, um, and. We also have the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, uh, the one that uh, sometimes is called the shy person of the Trinity. And uh, he comes through here uh, in in Scripture as being God as well. Yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't have necessarily
0: the richness or depth of the testimony that Scripture has for Jesus, the Mm -hmm. Son, uh, God, the Father. uh, But he's still uh, not even with hesitation declared to be God in Scripture. You Mm -hmm. see the Holy Spirit present at Creation. And again, uh, he's there when the beginning begins. Uh, So he has to be there before the beginning, which leaves us one Mm -hmm. possibility that he's God. Uh, He's present throughout the Old Testament. You read through the book of Judges, you Mm -hmm. see and hear the Spirit of God coming upon, rushing upon Samson and Jephthah and all of those judges. Uh, And he's present, uh, especially in the key Trinitarian passages. Of the Bible, Jesus at his baptism, mm-hmm. you have the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, right. the voice of God the Father, the person of God the Son, and then in the Great Commission, in, in the process of making disciples, uh, uh, making disciples for God, mm-hmm. believers in God, you are baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son yep. and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, and so how a fascinating thing to have the three persons of the Trinity come together at those key junctions um, in the life of Christ, and uh, and that uh, shows us the the Godhead three and one, uh, the three persons of the Trinity, uh, one one God. Yep, and not to mention uh, Peter,
0: uh, the at the time in Acts the prime. Disciple, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the ringleader after Jesus' ascension, directly calls the Holy Spirit God. That uh, when Ananias and Sapphira sin uh, by attempting to deceive the church into getting credit for giving more than they're actually giving, uh, he says, "You've sinned against the Holy Spirit." And the
1: very next verse, he says, "You've sinned against
0: God." Mm-hmm.
1: Good. So we we have here. Uh, we've looked at the biblical evidence for the Trinity, laying out. How God the Father is God. How God the Son Jesus is God, and how God the Holy Spirit is God. And so, coming back to the Athanasian Creed, uh, how did that come about, or who is who is the author of that? Well, we talked about Athanasius early
0: uh, in our time together. Um, he is both responsible and not responsible for the Athanasian Creed. He's okay. not the author. Um, you know, he he didn't take out his his parchment and, and write the words Athanasian Creed at the top of it and just start writing. That's not how it worked. Uh, it probably developed as a summary of his teaching by his disciples or, or people who were aware of his theology from the Western Roman Empire. Um, the earliest copy of the text of the Athanasian Creed uh, occurs in a sermon preached by uh, Caesarius in the early 6th century. So, you know, 100 150 years removed from what's going on, uh, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. Uh, It was adopted for liturgical and catechetical uses in the seventh and eighth centuries. Mm -hmm. So we're still dealing with, uh, you know, roughly 1500 years of confessional history with the theology contained in the Athanasian Creed.
1: Good. Well, so we've talked about the history here of the Athanasian Creed. And uh, so, Jason, this is all well and good, but what's the, what's the purpose of it?
0: Well, besides giving us a, a summary of the Trinity, we're really addressing heresy and refuting heresy by positively stating orthodoxy. Again, mm-hmm. the lesson of the Nicene Creed was that we stand for something and not against something. Mm-hmm. In the same way in the Athanasian Creed, we are standing for the orthodox scriptural teaching of the uh, Bible— uh, and of the Athanasian Creed. And uh the the scope is a little bit broader than the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. The Nicene Creed uh, really drilling into Arianism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh after Arianism pops up there's several yeah. early anti-Trinitarian heresies
1: and they're all basically addressed by the Athanasian Creed. Sure. I can't wait to get into all of these Jason <laughs> I I'm just I'm so excited. Uh there's a lot of great ism words here yeah. uh, here listed and uh maybe some listener that you are are not familiar with or haven't ever heard of them before but uh looking forward to getting into each one of these and so let's let's start talking about each one of those uh heresies that the Athanasian Creed refutes and so the like you mentioned uh the first one arianism arianism's always the big one it's always the one uh that it's kind
0: of the grandfather of almost every anti-trinitarian heresy there is because the, the the part of the Trinity that ultimately goes away is the second part of the Trinity. That Jesus, the physical part of the Trinity, is always the one, well, he can't be God because he's a man. And mm-hmm. so it's questioning either the deity of Christ or the humanity of Christ in one way or another. Arianism is the great heresy uh, that says Jesus is the highest created being, that he's something yeah. Other than God, something other than man, he's halfway in between. And the Athanasian Creed uh, just speaks against it as uh, everything. You know, Jesus is God. You have that over and over and over again in the Athanasian Creed.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. And so, uh, Arianism, gone. Gone. Uh, gone. He gone. Yeah, just got to have a little (laughs) bit of baseball flavor here. The the White Sox announcer, Hawk Harrelson, he gone. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I can be privy to the, <laughs> be party to this. Uh, that's all right. And so well, the next one we have uh, on this list, uh, adoptionism. And that's not uh, speaking about uh, the wonderful thing of adoption uh, that we would think of no. in terms of, uh, of uh, adopting a child. But what is adoptionism? So adoptionism comes to us
0: via the heretic Theodotus of Byz- Byzantium. Uh, Lots of bigger words. One of the great things I'm so grateful for for the English language is the shortening up of names and locations. Uh, But he was a late second century heretic uh, who claimed that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary as a non-God. And God looked down at him and said, hey, you're good enough. I'll make you my own. Uh, And God makes him fully God at his baptism uh, and confirms this
1: with the resurrection. All right. Uh Interesting idea, but that is gone too. Yeah, it's go. out of there. Uh, next one, I just, I, I just, this is You've one have been I just, dying I've been, all episode waiting, to, get to this moment. I've been waiting <laughs> to hear you say this, uh, referring to the the popular Lutheran satire video. What is this next one? La, uh, the 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 main one, uh, as far as we're considering with uh, Lutheran satire is Modalism, Patrick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Donald and Connell. Yes, Yes,
0: Donald and Connell. uh, That just watch the video. Do uh, do Lutheran satire, Saint Patrick's Day, Saint Patrick's bad analogies. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's worth your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as we're concerned, being less funny people than Hans Feeney and not having that kind of technology at our disposal, uh, modalism is that God is only one person who shows up in three different forms. So. Uh, If you've ever confessed the Trinity as water,
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: then you have committed the heresy of modalism. Because you're saying that water shows up as liquid and as vapor and as a solid, but it is still water. Mm -hmm. And so God sometimes shows up as the Father, and sometimes (laughs) he shows up as the Son, and sometimes he shows up as the Spirit, but it's still the same God. Second half of that statement, absolutely true. One God, but three persons, mm-hmm. not three parts, not three modes, mm-hmm. but three
1: separate, distinct persons. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So modalism is also uh, out. Um, next one Sibelianism. Sibelianism is a specific form of modalism. Kind of you
0: have this family tree mm-hmm. of uh, anti Trinitarian heresies. Uh, Sibelianism is a descendant of modalism. Sibelius mm-hmm. is a third century heretic that God manifests himself either as the creator, the redeemer, or the sanctifier. Uh, Jesus Christ was only a temporary manifestation of God in the flesh. So now Jesus is, n- the the person of Jesus Christ, no longer a real
1: thing, according to
0: Sabellianism.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Sabellianism, interesting. So uh, that one's uh, out, uh, or at least as we've been talking about this, the Athanasian Creed um uh, throwing them out or or speaking against them by saying what is true. Uh, one God positive, and three persons, yes. three persons and one god. Right. Right. And so the next one we have is Nestorianism.
0: Nestorianism is the uh the other half of the coin of Arianism, and, and Nestorianism essentially develops as an overcorrection to Arianism. Nestorius, uh, well-intentioned, wanted to make sure. That uh, the divine nature of Jesus Christ was upheld, but he ended up doing so at the expense of the human nature of Christ. Uh, Nestorius, Nestorius taught that Christ is two distinct persons, the divine and the human. Uh, if you've ever studied uh, Trinitarian history, uh, we get the two boards glued together analogy of Jesus' uh, mm-hmm. existence that you've got the divine nature. You've got the human nature and you smack them together and that's what Christ <laughs> is. And we do not confess that in the deity mm-hmm. of Christ, that Jesus Christ
1: is one person with a fully
0: divine nature and a fully human nature.
1: Right. It is not interesting, all the ways that we try to explain this and it yep. falls apart. Um, and and yeah.
0: Nestorius, I should add, in his error taught that for him, it was completely unthinkable that God could be born, suffer and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's one of the great Testimonies of the gospel is that on the cross two thousand years ago God died, mm-hmm. and that's where we have comfort that our sins are forgiven because mm-hmm. they've been fully paid for by God.
1: Yes, Amen. Amen. Uh, n- next one on our list: uh, monopsitism. Did I even say that? Correctly? Monophysitism.
0: Oh my Monophysitism goodness.
1: is we need, the... that, we need that edited out here. I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Monophysitism is the overcorrection to the overcorrection of Nestorianism, so it's uh, Arianism's uh, cousin. Uh, Jesus had only one true nature, that he was only divine. The human nature was absorbed into the divine. So that's the distinguishing feature from Arianism is that Arius says that Jesus was somewhere in between Mm -hmm. humanity and divinity. Uh, Monophysitism said Jesus was human, but it was absorbed and basically uh, dissolved
1: Mm -hmm. into the divine nature of Christ
0: and that the human nature no longer exists.
1: All right. Uh, I'm thankful that the last one on our list is uh, much easier to say, partialism. Partialism, that's the other one that comes from Lutheran satire that uh,
0: Pastor Feeney did a great job. Partialism, Patrick. (laughs) That's the other one, that the three persons of the Trinity are only partially God, that the God is one-third God, uh, the Son is one-third God, the Holy Spirit is one-third God, and so uh, the analogy... That is often used in Sunday school classes. Different thing uh, is the apple. Mm-hmm. If you've described the apple as the Trinity, you've unfortunately and unintentionally committed the error of <laughs> partialism, <laughs> where the apple has a skin and it has a core mm-hmm. and it has the flesh, or uh, the one used in the Lutheran satire video, the three-leaf clover. Right. You know that you know each part of the three-leaf clover. Yeah. But we we have to understand that the Father is all the way God, Mm -hmm. and the Son is all the way God, and the Spirit is all the way God. They are all equal, co-equal in majesty, and uh, according to the Athanasian Creed, Mm -hmm. uh, and we we do not want to get away from that. And uh, the the end of all of this, uh, the summary of the Lutheran satire video, uh, is that there is no simple way Mm -hmm. to describe the Trinity. There's no cheap way out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... Uh, you, one God and three persons three persons and one God uh, and the, the real answer is to stay true to scripture mm-hmm. to
1: confess the creed when you have the opportunity study the creed, know the creed it's fantastic yes, uh, amen, I think that's a great summary to wrap up this episode of Being Lutheran and uh, there you go, uh, the Athanasian Creed in 20 minutes or so or so, we, we fudged a little bit on this one All right, good. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning
0: in to Being Lutheran. You can find us on the web at beinglutheran.com. Please join us next time when Pastor Brett and Pastor Jason wrap up this series on the three ecumenical creeds.